and I had to go through and cut, cut out like seven <laughs> seven minutes worth of material. <sighs> Mostly just me babbling like an idiot. But anyways, we ready? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. This is your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. 55. Episode number 55. I can't drive 55. Can't do it. It's a good song. Anyways, what do you got for 55 today, sir? Got Devin Bush of the Pittsburgh Steelers, which he is having an absolutely terrible year. Yeah, no surprise there. Anyways, speaking of good shit, we do have some good news stories today, don't we? Yeah, we do. How many did you end up with today, sir? I have three today. Okay, three. I've got two, and I'm not going to lie, these are weak. So I'm going to go ahead and let you get started if you don't mind. Okay, I'm going to start off with this one. This is from our favorite on news. Firefighters are baffled by kangaroo on roof of Queensland home. Firefighters in Australia said a kangaroo that appeared to be trapped on the roof of a home ended up rescuing itself. (laughs) But how it got onto the roof remains a mystery. (laughs) Now, real quick, we don't have the answer to this question, but does the same guy write all these odd news articles? I, I think so. His name is Ben Hooper. <laughs> because he, he, he writes the same shit. Yeah, it's funny as shit. That's what I needed to do. I needed to go into journalism because yeah. every every headline is fucking hilarious. Yeah, anyway. he does a good job. Man. Anyways, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Queensland Fire and Emergency Services firefighters said they were initially skeptical when a call came in reporting a kangaroo stranded on the rooftop of a Mount Isa home. We thought it was a hoax when we got the call, but sure enough, we showed up and there it was on the roof. Firefighter Patrick Buck told the Australian (laughs) Broadcasting Corps. There's a firefighter name for you. Patrick, Patrick Buck. Buck, are you I kidding love me? It. That's hilarious. Firefighters prepared to mount a rescue to bring the marsupial back down to the ground. We went up with all our harnesses and rescue equipment, but as soon as we got up there, <laughs> <laughs> he jumped down into the scrubs. <laughs> Firefighters said the king grew left the area on its own, but the rescuers were left perplexed as to how the animal got onto the roof of the house in the first place. We still don't know how it got on the roof. It's a mystery, Buck said. And that's the end. Could you imagine getting all that shit together? Yeah, they get all <laughs> this just, shit together. It just jumps they, off. They get up there and it just it just it just gets down. Well and they're so perplexed how it got on the roof. It probably just, it just got on the roof. Up there. Yeah, it probably got on the roof how it got down. Probably just jumped up there. That's hilarious. That's a good one. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Odd news. Yep. Back at it. Yep. Always. Anyways, my first one, this one's kinda dumb. This one's from IndiaTV.com. And it's out of Madhaya Pradesh, which I guess is a city or a region in India. Farmer approaches police after buffalo refuses to be milked. A video showing the man seeking help from police in the Nayagagan village on Saturday over the issue surfaced on social media. A farmer from Madhya Pradesh's Bind district went to a police station taking along his buffalo, complaining that the animal was refusing to be milked, and he suspected it to be under the influence of witchcraft, an official said on Sunday. A video showing the man seeking help from police in the village on Saturday over the issue surfaced on social media. The villager identified as Babulao Jatlav, 45, submitted a complaint to the Nyagang police station on Saturday saying his buffalo was not allowing to be milked <laughs> since the past some days. And that's an official quote. I'll tell you what, man. I'd hate to be a cop. Can you imagine having to deal with this shit? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Deputy Superintendent of Police Arvind Shah 
told PTI. According to the complainant, some villagers told him that the animal was under the influence of witchcraft, he said. After four hours and giving the application, the farmer again reached the police station with his buffalo and sought help from the police again, he said. I had told the police station in charge to assist the villager with some veterinary advice. The villager again reached the police station today to thank the police, saying that the buffalo allowed to be milk on Sunday morning, Shah said. So this guy, now that was a really choppy news story. Apparently this was an Indian source. Now they speak English out there, but obviously it's not the same vernacular that we would commonly use in the United States. Yeah. So that probably explains why this article is so choppy. But this guy, his buffalo, he couldn't milk his buffalo. Now I don't know if you've ever seen these water buffalo that they have in India. They're more like cows than you would think like a American bison. So they're like cows with the, like the horns and shit. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't milk his buffalo. So his solution to the problem was to go to the cops. <laughs> now, and he claimed that his buffalo was under some type of was witchcraft. under witchcraft because somebody told him that. <laughs> oh my god. Now, he didn't just go to the police station. He brought the buffalo <laughs> along with him and he did this on two separate occasions this like this reminds me of like some family guy type shit i guess it, it is a different world out there but i can't imagine like i can understand having the problem and trying to figure out like where do i figure out how to milk my buffalo but to take the beast to to the police to station, the station on two hilarious. separate occasions like like what do you do if you're the officer like what do you, what do you gonna, like what do you do like, I, I don't know. Go go out there and milk it yourself. I don't know. <laughs> go go out there and like. What do you go home and tell your wife? How's your day, honey? Yeah, I had, to, I had to milk a. I had to milk a buffalo today. A cursed buffalo. A cursed buffalo. See, if I were that guy's wife, I'd be pissed. He'd probably bring the curse back into the household. I had to perform a a chant to rid the curse on oh this buffalo, to, so this guy would get the buffalo out I of the don't station. Know. That's like one of our weakest news stories we're ever going to run. <laughs> but that's all I got with that one. So India Buffalo, <laughs> cursed by witches, can't get milked. That's hilarious. Who are you going to call? We're going to call the Indian police. Exactly. Anyways, what else you got today? So I got another one from Odd News. Our favorite. I thought this was kind of cool. British mom breaks 10K record while pushing a stroller. This That's is actually in, pretty cool. This is incredible if you've ever pushed a stroller around while running. It's extremely, di- it's kind of difficult, honestly. I have not, and I don't plan to. A British woman broke a Guinness World Record uh, when she ran a 10K race in 40 minutes and 4 seconds while pushing her 1-year-old in a stroller. Heather Hahn, 36, of St. Albans, England, ran in the Hertz Fast 10K race in Hempstead while pushing her one-year-old son in a stroller and finished the 6.2-mile race in a record-breaking time of 6 minutes and 4 seconds. Han, a mother of two, said she started running with a stroller after the birth of her first child. Can I stop here real quick? Sure. What was the time? Uh, this is a 10K race? Yes. 40 minutes and 4 seconds. Oh, my God. I zoned out. I thought you said 6 minutes, and I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, what the No, hell? but 40 minutes is a really good time. That's an incredible time yeah, for a 10K. Yeah, it's really good. I and couldn't you, do it, a 5K in, in 40 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I... Used to, I used to be able to probably, but oh my god, not since I. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Leg. I gotta no, start listening better. No, you're good. Yeah, that's an incredible time. Six point two miles. That's really good. I'm over okay. the moon that my first world record was approved by Guinness. It's an amazing feeling to be able to break a world record with my son, and hopefully, it'll encourage other parents, carriers with young children to get out there. I'd love to inspire others to go on and break my world record. Han told a Hertz advisor. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, there's that, that, that's awesome. A lot of people use having kids as an excuse to not really to not work take out. Take care of yourself, like, like me. Work out. She has proven that you can do it. Hundred percent. That's a great news story. I'm happy we're sharing that one. Me too. I hope people are inspired by that news story. I hope so as well. Anyways, I've got one more. And if you thought my first news story was dumb, oh. 
This one might be even worse. My source for this article is from Wait.com, W-A-T-E. Okay. It's an ABC6 affiliate out of Missouri. Okay. The headline reads, Missouri School District Hiring Its Own Students. Oh, my God. To combat labor shortage. Okay. School districts aren't exempt from the nationwide shortage of workers, but the Northwest School District in Jefferson County has a creative solution to help. The district is now hiring its own high school students to fill jobs in the district. Could you imagine you're at the point where you you're, you're running the high school and you can't you can't run the cafeteria you can't <laughs> you don't you can't you, the garbage isn't getting taken out you got no way to do any of the jobs so you're hiring your own kids I think this is great so who's paying the kids the school the school district school they're just employees they're they're students and they're also employees of the school district so is this all during school like are the kids the janitors and shit like I guess they're being flexible with students so it looks like they are and, working and how many hours do they work they're working around like test schedules and shit like that. I just like I just I'm just thinking back to high school. Think about it, study hall. Yeah, but you don't really I didn't really get a study hall till junior year. Yeah, I only senior had year. I only had one study hall and it was one semester junior year. Like I guess if you like if they had a situation where they substitute a class for a job, like a subject for a job. Like, sure. I just don't understand how you would incorporate working hours during school. Unless you're staying after instead of playing yeah. sports, you're just yeah. Maybe you're like, what are you working out the trash? What are you working around the high school? I'm assuming they have all this figured out. Like, I'm hoping. I just I just wonder how it all works. Or could you imagine if one of these kids like takes a job and they're kind of like a bad student and they're like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just gonna get into the workforce and they they drop out of high school just yeah. to work for the school? Could you imagine how funny that would be? Like it's a cool it's a cool idea. I, I guess. Think I'm a big, I'm a big believer in child labor. Like I think, like I think it's cool that I I guess it could teach the kids how to balance school and work life. Yeah, early on, I guess. But even if it's like three to six after school, taking out the trash, do that three days a week, four days a week. But that's like normal. That's like normal. Clean up the school after school shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, if you're doing more, working in the cafeteria, you're not gonna have kids working in the cafeteria scrubbing down. Like what was that grills and shit? What was that thing we had in high school? Work study. Yeah, like that's all. That's just vacuuming. That's just vacuuming. Yeah, but it's like a good twenty some minutes after school. But it's not work. Like you don't see these kids like taking out the big ass trash bags. I never saw work study kids doing that maybe during the summer they do like landscaping and shit but during the school year they're not doing there's maintenance guys doing all that shit i don't know i just don't see i don't know you I don't did, see kids working in the cafeteria but they were there the entire time like the how, cafeteria workers like how are they gonna be there and like prep the food and shit like how are they how are they gonna cook the show food? up show up early so they're, they're gonna show up at like six in the morning yeah five in the morning even better yeah. I think this is great. Hey, I mean, it, I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool concept. I just wonder. I, I'm not against it. I just wonder how it all works. Yeah. Anyways, that's all I got for that one. That's interesting. That was a good story. It's a, a dumb news story. story. That was but, actually good. Anyways, I'm hoping you have a good one to round out our news segment for this episode. I do. You're gonna like this one. Okay. This is from Sky News. Dogs TV channel. Dog TV set to launch to help with stress and behavioral problems. Dog TV. Yes, it's called Dog TV. So I'm assuming this is probably a channel where all it is is dogs on the screen. I don't really know, but we're going to find out. Dog TV has been developed following studies into animals' psychological and physiological needs, moods, and responses to help them feel more stimulated or relaxed when needed, producers said in a statement. Man's best friend no longer has to put up with joining humans on a sofa or soaps 
or the latest binge watch series. Soon the nation's dogs will have a range of specialist pooch-friendly content to enjoy. Dog TV is a new television network created specifically for our four-legged friends, which is set to launch in the UK on Monday. Created after three years of research, the channel will air scientifically tested programming aiming to alleviate symptoms of conditions such as separation, anxiety, loneliness, and stress, bosses say. It will also have shows to help owners better understand and look after their pets. So this is targeting the dog and not the people. Okay. Yes. The number of people getting dogs rising dramatically during the lockdowns. It could be a timely arrival, especially as many owners have now returned to work and animals are being left alone more. Dude, this is the most ridiculous. Like, I'm sorry, so but this, but this is work, just ridiculous. I'm before sorry. you go to work, oh, I can't forget to turn the TV on for Sparky over there. I can't even think of the right word of how, like, don't get me wrong, I love dogs, I love animals, but the way people are about their dogs today is just ridiculous to me. People are so, like, sycophantic. Is that the right word I'm looking for? Over their pets, man. Over their Probably. dogs. It's, it's 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 ridiculous, man. Some people, not everyone. Not everybody. Not everyone, but some people. Yeah. I don't know, like, you're literally going to pop on the TV and the dog goes like, arr, 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 and okay, let's watch dog TV. <laughs> it's just a bunch of fucking dog shit. Like what? What you gonna? You really gonna do that? See, my question is, where does the line get drawn? Because obviously, we're yeah. doing this dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing this dog shit. Ugh. Are we gonna start doing cat shit? Yeah, birds. Like this, there's no limiting standard to this. Like Tim's got a lizard now. Does he have to subscribe to Lizard TV for his? Uh, yeah, for his little gecko. Pretty no. Pretty soon, they're gonna be considering dogs people at this point. Well, we've already we've already got precedent for <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly with the whole Pablo Escobar <laughs> hippo. Exactly, exactly hippo thing. Oh my god! Colors, audio frequency, and camera alignment have all been adapted to cater to the dog senses. Professor Nicholas Dodman, chief scientist for Dog TV, said Dog TV is an excellent resource for dog owners to help alleviate some of the behavioral problems that can arise when dogs are left alone. I don't know. So I wasn't even allowed to watch TV when I was left alone. Why would a dog be allowed to watch TV? Yeah. Like, I had to do productive stuff. You're looking at higher energy costs because you're going to be leaving your TV on all day. Yeah. See, some people already do that, I guess. But that doesn't help the environment at all. Definitely not. Also, think about the dog's health. The dog's sitting there watching TV for hours on end. That can't be good good for the. It's not good for their eyes. For circulation either. Yeah. I don't know. This sounds like a bad idea. I wonder what the ratings are going to be, and how do you even determine that? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna do a survey on the dogs. So how 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 did you like this show on dog TV? Like how how are you gonna know what they say? How are you gonna know what the best shows are? I guess the, I guess the human will have to look uh, observe the reaction of the dog to each show on dog TV. But see, to see human, which one their favorite, see which one their favorite is. But the human can only operate from a human centric perspective. Yeah, they might not know, understand the. They dog's don't understand reaction. the plight of the dog. How can we know? This this whole this whole dog TV is just you know more questions than answers. Like what happened to staring out the window and chasing the mailman? Yeah, what happened? What happened <laughs> what, to the, to what the traditional did, dog? What else? What did happened you need? to the? What happened to the traditional dog? You know. Anyways, I don't even know what to say. I, I thought I, I thought you'd like that article. That's a really long article. You can check that out. I don't, Sky News. I, I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, oh, my God. This is going to be our worst episode ever. <laughs> Anyways. What is our main topic? This is a topic that we've had 
hammered down. Like, this was in place for a couple weeks now. We knew we were going to be doing this one soon. Right. I started my research. The second you sent the text, I started thinking. And I came up with one name, basically. And I pretty much got one person and then one other person. And our topic, I probably should tell the people what the topic is before I start talking sure. about my people. <laughs> sure, Is, and I'm, I'm kind of going to be floating the line on this one. Yeah, me too. But it's essentially crazy modern people. So people that... So basically like just like notable notable sh- people that were involved in a crazy situation that has happened happened during modern times sure now ba- basically it's basically a modern version kind of like a modern version of our historical people episode yeah we've done somewhat. a couple different kind of we've done a couple different historical people episodes we had episode 11 where we talked about weird people in history and then we had yeah this is kind of just this is just kind of like that, I guess. Yeah, we had the crazy rulers episode. And neither of my people are rulers, but it's None all... mine are either. Mine are kind of modern times. Like, my people are still alive today, and they're still in the news. Kind of, sort of. See, mine are from a little... From kind of a long time ago. Sure. But they're they're kind of modern. They're, they're in the modern... Like, so I googled what the modern era is. Okay. And it says 1946 to present. But when I do a, when I was doing my you know research and whatnot, I look up modern type shit, and some people would have 1800s, some people would have early 1900s. So sure, because in the grand in the grand scope of time, 1800s was not long ago. Yeah. So it's not ancient history. It's not ancient history. So. All right. Well, crazy modern people. Sure. And I'm kind of floating the line. My one person's crazy. My other person is just a shenanigan person, I think. I mean, given the fact that this is your episode, uh, would you like to kick us off oh, with this God. one? All right. My first one. This is pretty, this is actually pretty recent. This is not, this is not that long ago. So have you ever heard of Fulan Devi? I think I've heard of this person. Or Devi. I don't know how you say it. I think I have. I'm interested in this one. Also known as Bandit Queen. Now, these people aren't necessarily like crazy cuckoo caca they were just involved in like crazy shit okay basically this, okay. this is what um as far as this woman understood so what she did is uh pretty crazy so she was born august 10th 1963 in a small village on the yumuna river in india and what's funny is remember how you were talking earlier from your uh india tv article is that what yes. it's called? Yes. How they speak English, but they have like different lingo and stuff like that. Sure. I was reading a lot of my research was from an Indian was from Indian Today in, <laughs> and it was it was some of it was kind of hard to read because I didn't really know their lingo. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yes. But in this so in this part of India, girls were not treated very well. They're treated like burdens, and they're from a young age they're pretty much put to work right away. Sure. So, like most girls, they were forced to work for upper caste landowners, and upper caste pretty much means upper class. It's just a different word for yeah. They've class. got kind of like a tribal system over there. Where... Yeah. So yeah. So they were put to work at a young age. Now she was she ended up getting married when she was like eleven to a man in like his thirties. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. Just, uh, yeah, it is. And so viewer discretion advised for both of my stories. Okay. So viewer viewer discretion is advised with this with this crazy modern figure. And he was a ruthless guy to her. He abused her, he raped her for a number of years. But she escaped somehow and she ended up joining a gang. And at the age of 18, her gang was attacked and she was essentially captured and she was put in a prison in Bamai and she was gang raped for Two weeks from people in the town. Oh my god! So she's had it really rough in her life up to this point. Sure. And there's a lot that goes on, and this is like a there's like a um, there's like movies made after this story. Like it's pretty crazy. Okay. So she went to prison, and she somehow escaped that 
as well. She escaped there, that, and she ended up creating her own gang. And she became like a notorious armed robber and stole from like a lot of the rich people and shit like that. Sure. In 1981, she and her gang returned to the village that had imprisoned her and raped her and everything. And she recognized two of the men that was there. Okay. And who took part in the gang rape against her. She asked them to locate all the rest of the people that were involved and they wouldn't give up, you know, where they were. And they ended up killing all 22 of those people. Holy shit. Yeah. Just shot all of them. She was right then and there when they wouldn't do it. She just shot. They, Her and her gang shot all the people that were there. This is some vigilante justice. Yeah, it's unreal. So the upper caste and the government considered her a cold-blooded murderer. And they considered it an embarrassment that this woman, this just stupid nobody woman, can do something like this. But... People that grew up from where she was from and from her situation, they pretty much considered her, you know, they considered her like a goddess. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was like, you know, everyone looked up to her. Sure. But obviously they were on to her. She finally surrendered to the Indian federal government after they accepted her demands to return her father's land, to provide a government job for her sibling, and not to offer death sentences for her gang members, but an eight-year imprisonment. In 1983, Fulan was accused for 48 criminal offenses, including murder, plunder, arson, as well as kidnapping for ransom. No shit. So she got into a lot of shit when she started her gang and joined her gang and whatnot. What is going on in India? I mean, yeah, this is like I mean, the Wild it's, West. It's, it's unreal. It, it gets crazier. So she was refuted a trial for 11 years until her charges were essentially dropped by a judge that grew up from the lower caste like she was. Sure. And he, like, sympathized with her story. So he basically just dropped all her shit. Wow. And she walked free. Talk about a stroke of luck. Right. And so all the charges were dropped in 1994. In 1996, she ran for a spot in the parliament, and she won. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the most crazy life. Oh, my God. She, and she wins. Check this shit out. So after she killed all these people, she has a lot of enemies, right? Sure. And so basically she was assassinated in 2001. Oh, my God. By somebody right outside her house. And she couldn't trust anybody in, like, the parliament. She couldn't even, she couldn't trust her bodyguards. She had, like, two people that she could trust, and they followed her around everywhere. That's insanity. But somebody in all black was outside her house and shot her and assassinated her in 2001. Yeah, I, I want to watch the movie on that. I forget what it's called. I saw it, but I, I, I didn't watch it, but well, I saw it online. What was her name again? Fulan Devi. I think that's how you say it. Can you spell Debbie, that? P-H-O-O-L-A-N-D-E-V-I. Okay, that'll help our listeners out if they want to do some more research on that one. Yeah, very. That was a really interesting. Like, one. there's, there's like, there's kind of like a love story involved in the whole thing as well. Like, there's a lot going on with it. Yeah, that's that's a pretty cool story. Yeah. See, this is a controversial opinion. I'm kind of for in like vigilante justice and that type of scenario. Sure, like, especially when the law is not going to do anything. Sure. Anyways, that's a crazy story. Is that all you have with that one? Yep, that's about it with that one. All right, I've got my uh, I've got my weaker of my two coming up, and this one's kind of controversial. Although this is a guy, I'm not gonna say he's crazy, although I think he is crazy. There's not as much evidence, like hard evidence, of this guy being absolutely ridiculous. He's just there's a lot of circle circumstantial cot. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence with this guy that he's involved in some other stuff. Now I'm gonna be pretty much listing facts because this is a controversial topic. This is gonna deal with the coronavirus pandemic. I'm just gonna be listing facts about this character. The guy's name is Peter Daszak, D-A-S-Z-A-K. He is a British zoologist who is the president of an organization called Equal Health Alliance, which is an American nonprofit that does global health and kind of like pandemic prevention research. 
So he's the president of EcoHealth Alliance, although he's not a doctor. He does his PhD, but he's not a medical doctor. He is a zoologist who's got a PhD in parasitic infectious diseases. Okay. But still not a medical doctor. Sure. I watched videos of this guy talking, like as I was doing my research and like old videos from like 10 plus years ago. He's basically, he's more of like, you think like Jack Hanna, you ever see Jack Hanna's Wild Kingdom or whatever, where you got these guys that do like talk shows with like live animals and they have like animals out and they're playing with the animals you ever see those where like a guy brings a python onto the tonight show or you never seen anything like that <laughs> I don't, I don't think or I've like seen okay that. think about like like uh steve Irwin. okay yeah yeah you know, like those types of guys yeah, that are always mess around messing around with the animals and they're they got like a bugs in their pocket and they're playing with snakes and shit yeah sure that is what this guy is as peter daz you know guy. i didn't watch tv when i was a kid i know you didn't <laughs> i'm like i'm trying to come up with something <laughs> Like one of those animal guys. Like, sure. So this Peter Daszak, he's a zoologist is essentially what he is. He's into animals, and I've watched him do talks about like how he's doing public health, but he's always playing with animals. <laughs> like He's playing with <laughs> bugs, and he's got snakes and sure. all sorts of shit wandering around. However, he is president of the EcoHealth Alliance. Now, the EcoHealth Alliance, does all, they fund a lot of research, and he managed to secure a grant from the National Institute of Health back in 2014, which is a government entity, mm-hmm. to do research on novel bat coronaviruses. This has been something that Peter Daszak has talked about for a long time, He's been like, hey, these bats are going to be a problem. So he's been talking about this for a while. And I've watched him do speeches that are 10 years old about the situation at hand. Sure. And he was involved in back when the SARS outbreak happened, which people don't understand is pretty much the same thing as the coronavirus. It's just a different variant of the same disease, essentially. Mm-hmm. So Peter Daszak, president of EcoHealth Alliance, which claims it's a non-government entity but takes government funding to do government-sponsored research, essentially. Mm-hmm decided to take that funding and go to the Wuhan Institute to conduct research on novel bat coronaviruses. The zoologist is directing the money for this entire operation. Sure. Now, it wasn't until 2017 when the United States government decided to reverse a ban on type of research called gain-of-function research, which is where they manipulate a known virus to basically add attributes to it, including... To transmit to humans. Transmit to humans, exactly. Yeah. Now, the United States, citizens didn't vote for this type of thing. This was an arbitrary decision made by one person in one office. Now, I'm not going to say the name, but we all know who the one person in the one office was. Yes. That made an arbitrary decision, an unelected official made an arbitrary decision that wasn't publicized to reverse a ban on this type of research. Sure. Now, with Peter Daszak and his grant, he decided to do research at the Wuhan Institute of Health. Now, I'm not sure why he decided there. But when you wa- watch him talk about all these diseases, he talks about the incredible infection rate and the danger it poses to humans. So given how smart he is and how aware he is of all those diseases that are going on, you would think that if you want to really do research on this type of thing, you would do it somewhere where you can at least isolate the lab a little bit better than communist China, number one, Wuhan, which is a high population center, number two. You would think that given how contagious he claims that this virus is, that he was researching this, this, and this isn't officially COVID. This is just another <laughs> random virus happens to be exactly the same. Right. Now, weren't they, weren't they already doing that type of shit on bats in that facility in Wuhan already? They were because of this research I'm talking about. Oh, this was prior, they weren't beforehand? This was prior to the pandemic. This started in like 2014 or something. Yeah. I don't know what was going on in their institute beforehand with a Equal Health Alliance was started funding their research in 2014. Maybe the Wuhan Institute was already doing this type of shit beforehand with other animals. I think they were, but still, you're funding research in a high population center. Yeah, I mean, with the, yeah, China. yeah, sure. You would think that you would evaluate all your options before you'd go here, number one. 
Yeah. Number two, I have no idea what the hell is going on stateside, but you have to think that there's some lab somewhere in the United States that's on par with this lab to do this type of research. Yeah. Now, it could have been getting around the gain-of-function thing that the United States let a ban on. That could have been part of why they went to Wuhan. Mm. However, it's really weird, given what this guy knows about these pandemic viruses and SARS and all this shit, the best option is going to be Wuhan. Now, this guy's a British guy, even though he's like America's representative for the whole thing. (laughs) Now, when the coronavirus outbreak happened, the World Health Organization put together a team of highly credentialed officials to go investigate the Wuhan laboratory because immediately it's like, well, we're doing this type of research here. This type of research is going on. The same thing breaks out a few miles away. Mm. We have to at least investigate this. We got to do our due diligence. Yeah. America had one representative on that Wuhan community that was sent to the lab to investigate. You want to know who that representative was? This guy. Peter Daszak. <laughs> Think about that for a second. So this guy who had already sponsored... He's not even an American. Not even American. <laughs> Seriously. Had, had already done work. The president of EcoHealth Alliance had already sponsored research on novel bat coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute. Is set to investigate the Institute's involvement, alleged involvement, in a possible lab leak of a novel bat coronavirus. <laughs> exactly. That happened allegedly eight miles away from where the lab is located. Unreal. Now, <laughs> how, like, what's really, how what's really even, ridiculous uh, is crazy how that worked out. <laughs> this World Health Organization shows up and they determine that it didn't come from the lab. Of, know of, how the, of course You, you want to know how they determined it? How? They asked. They were like, hey, did this coronavirus originate here? The lab official said no. Of course they did. And they went with it. <laughs> of course they did. They were just like, well, we can close the file on this one. We all know the WHO isn't going to do anything. They're not going to do anything to China. So then Peter Daszak, the guy that was financing this type of study, was public for a little bit doing interviews. Now, he's since been, he fell off the face of the world, basically. I'm sure. But they were asking him on American media. They were like, so you were part of the team. Now, this is before they realized that he was funding the studies during the entire thing. They just thought he was a World Health Organization official. Right. Or how the hell he gets this job being a zoologist. Who right. knows? Who knows? <laughs> right. But, and he was like, and they were like, so, what was your process? Well, we asked him, they said no. And they were like, well, that's it? And he was like, well, shit, what else, what else am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to go in there and investigate? Like, yeah, what's my job? So then he came out and said, well, we know for sure that there weren't bats in the Wuhan lab. And then leaks came out from people in the lab determining that that was a lie. And at that point, Peter Daszak has managed to elude public scrutiny since then. Yeah, he doesn't want to say anything because that could implicate him possibly. Even, even though he might have been there and been doing that type of shit yeah. in 14 it doesn't matter. It's still a bat. People are gonna people are gonna implicate him. I just don't understand how it's not a conflict of interest. Like how is this yeah, guy allowed to yes, be, how exa- is he allowed yes, to investigate? Exactly. Like this guy should be the first one cross off the list if he uh, was funding if he was even there before. Like it doesn't work that way. Exactly. Like, why why So the fact that there's not more scrutiny on that is a problematic thing. Hundred percent. And then the whole thing came out that the lab leak theory is a racist. And yeah, yeah. What's to me what's even more disturbing is so you got the lab leak theory. That's racist. But it's not racist to do the Chinese people eat bat theory, which is the official narrative. Right, right. They're being weird that Chinese people eat bats, even though that's what, that's what they do in their culture. I don't have a problem with it. It's, yeah, exactly. They're going to go with that theory over the racist lab leak theory. I don't I don't get it. And you got this British guy, and obviously he's a British guy, so he sounds convincing. So people just probably don't challenge it. Well, you gotta got to be politically correct. You can't I guess. You can't offend anyone. I just think it's ridiculous how there's no there's no scrutiny towards this guy. Like nobody even knows his name. Have you did you know that name prior no, to this discussion? No, I have never I've never heard of this have guy. Have you heard about the Eagle Health Alliance at all or the 
National I've heard Institute of the EcoHealth Alliance. Have you heard of the National Institute of Health giving them a grant? No. Have you heard about I've that? Never, I've, not, I've not heard that. And the fact that nobody knows about any of this is a problem. It's, it shows that our media coverage is bad at the very least. Oh, they're terrible. There's not a whole lot of investigative processes And, and being they, done. they obviously promulgate a narrative. Joe Rogan had a few people on talking about this type of topic, so that's how I heard about it in the first place. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who those people were, but they were, they were really well-informed on the whole topic. I love Joe Rogan. I get a lot of my info from Joe Rogan. He's not bad. My mom hates him, but I like him. I like him a lot. He gives more information than what's going on. 100%. Sometimes he's not right about stuff, but that's what everybody is. Sure. So... And what I like about him is if he finds out he's wrong, he'll he'll tell you. He'll talk about it. Yeah, he'll at least own up to it. Yeah. But you can't you can't buy him because who cares? He, he can create content anywhere. People are going to find it and listen to it. Yep. There's no way you can shut that type of thing down. And that's, the, I guess, a good thing in my opinion. 100%. I agree. Is if Spotify decides to cancel him or whoever he's with right now, someone else is going to pick him up. Because his listeners were going to listen to his content. 100%. And people are going to go on his shows. Yep. And very powerful, very powerful people go on those shows. Everybody wants to go on his show. Shit, Elon yeah. Musk goes on his show. He's, he's a huge, he has a huge platform. So, anyways, but that's Peter Daszak. That was a good one. He's, that's crazy, He's man. crazy. That's and unreal. It, it just bothers me that this guy hasn't talked about more. So, I'm bringing the name out like, there. there. There needs to be an investa-fucking-gation. Like, they need to send people over there, man. They need to but, fucking look into this shit. You know, this is a big thing. How many millions of people have died from this? It, it's going to implicate the wrong parties is the reason why this type of thing doesn't happen. It's the reason why Peter Daszak is the American, is the American representative when he's the one that could have started the whole thing, in theory. He could literally be the reason why the entire thing happened in the first place. Probably. And then they're coming out and they're saying that people were sick with the coronavirus in November that worked at the laboratory. That they were hospitalized. Either they randomly had something different that had the same exact symptoms and what more put them you, in the hospital. What more do you need? I don't understand. Anyways, <laughs> that's probably one of our most controversial stories, but I don't care. I'm not telling you what to think. I'm saying here is information that you can't argue with and you can look at the money trail and you can't argue with the facts of what has been presented in this 100%. Brief discussion. I agree. So trust who you want to, I guess. But I'm asking people just to look at the full picture. That was a good one. Anyways, Thank that's you. my second Thank one. Thank you for that. That opens, you know, it's good to learn shit like that. I think so. Anyways, you got one more? So this isn't as recent, but this is probably the most disturbing shit I've ever read in my life. This guy is absolutely crazy. This guy is absolutely ridiculous. Okay. Now, I hate saying crazy because this guy had some serious mental illness. Sure. He's completely evil. This is we're, this is a serial killer. Okay. He died in 1936. So, it was a long time ago, but it's not crazy long ago. Okay. So, this guy's name is Albert Fish. Yes. You ever hear of this dude? Oh, yeah. This is the... Dude, I, I did not know about this guy. Really? I've probably seen him through going through YouTube in the past, serial killer YouTube videos, but... <laughs> this guy's different. This guy is insane. This guy is insane. So, he's known one of, uh, as one of America's most gruesome serial killers. Fish was born in 1870. When he was five, his father died. Now, his father was 75 when he was born, and his mother was 43 years younger than his dad. So when he was five, he was 80, and at that time, 80, you were pretty old. Sure. So he died when he was only five years old, so he didn't have a dad growing up. And his mother put him in, oh, his mother and uh, I'm assuming his siblings, put them in an orphanage until she could find a way to support them. Okay. And at the time in the orphanage, he dealt with uh, some pretty terrible things. He was abused regularly, and after a while, he was abused so much that he started enjoying the pain inflicting on Yeah, him. that's the biggest thing with this guy. It, it started early. He's a fucking masochist. Viewer discretion is advised. Are we going to do this, this whole well. thing? This one's going to be a rough one. 
I'm not gonna get too crazy. Okay. Okay. But it, it, we're gonna we're gonna get into some crazy shit. Let me tell you. By the time his mother secured a government job, he was pretty messed up physically and mentally. Now his childhood is uh, really disturbing. At age 12, he took up a relationship with a young man, and this person introduced him to some pretty pretty messed up shit, man. Some pretty messed up shit. Uh, he introduced Albert to urolagnia, which is drinking urine, Ugh. and coprophagia, which is the act of eating feces. <sighs> he liked to spy on public bathhouses, and so at a young at a young age, I mean, that's, that's, that's the age of 12, man. It's absolutely oh insane. My God. So these are clear signs of mental illnesses. Uh, and he was, while he was living in New York in his 20s, he was working as a prostitute. <laughs> and this is when he became fascinated with sexual mutilation. Now, this dude got married and he had kids, which is insane to me. Now, his wife fled for another with another dude. And after that is when this dude, Albert Fish, just like spiraled out of control mentally in every way possible. I don't blame his wife from leaving. Though. Yeah, no shit. So he started experimenting more with self-inflicted pain. He would push needles in his groin. He would enjoy hitting himself with nail-studded wooden paddles. It was reported that he would frequently insert lighter fluid soaked wooden towel into his anus and set it on fire. I mean, this dude is absolutely <laughs> how, insane. How do you for fun? He would do that for fun. Let's, let's just stop for a second. How the hell do you come up with yeah, these how do ideas? You, how do you come up with this shit? Oh my god! He went as far as to encourage his children and their friends to hit him with his nail-studded paddle. So kids were smacking him <laughs> with a nail on a paddle. Oh, my God. Now, during this time, he started becoming obsessed with cannibalism as well. He would serve his family raw meat to help quell his desire for flesh. He would make meals that were just like straight raw meat, and that's what he would eat, so that he would eat that instead of going around trying to find little kids, little boys to eat. Now, what's crazy about this dude is he was he was eventually brought down by the murder of a girl. Okay. But... He claims to have murdered over 100 people. He probably did. He, they, they've never showed any proof or found anything, but he told some pretty gruesome stories that I'm not getting into. Yeah. And if you're interested in this, I know the last podcast on the left has a series on this guy. Oh, does he? I'll I've listen listened to it. it. Yeah, I'll, it's I'll rough. It. Now, before his first murder, he was evaluated by, by a psychiatric hospital. He was evaluated multiple times, and he was always released. He was always released back into the into society, which is insane to me. Well, there was no standard for mental care back then. Yeah, and he would target the handicapped and black people, saying that <laughs> they wouldn't be missed if they were gone. That's terrible. He would experience hallucinations, and he thought that God was telling him to torture and murder kids. Now, mind you, like I said, he was he was only charged for one murder, claims to kill over 100, and uh, uh, this dude was just... It was just pure evil. In 1934, he murdered a girl named Grace Budd, and he sent a letter to the family of the victim describing the murder and everything he did to her. And I read the letter, and it was absolutely terrible. Yeah. I just couldn't imagine. And he was obviously found guilty, sentenced to death in 1936 by electrocution. Yeah. And but this dude, some of the shit I read, I couldn't even add in because it was, it was the most gruesome shit I've ever read. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I've done a lot of different... I don't think I've ever heard of a serial killer doing the shit this guy would do. Mostly podcasts. I've listened to different serial killer podcasts. I think he Is he's the probably worst. the most extreme. 100%. And I thought about doing him on the serial killer episode, and I was like, there's no way in hell I could like this pull guy, that off. Like, this, this guy is... That was the lightest version I could come up with yeah. doing this guy. 
And even that was probably one of our most graphic stories that we've done. Yeah. That's about as far as we can go, at least on a show like this. 100%. But, yeah, that guy, it's it's unbelievable. And back to my uh, my Halloween spooktacular, I talk about the movie House of a Thousand Corpses. Mm-hmm. And in that movie, like the beginning of the movie, like the, the teenagers go on, they're like out in the middle of nowhere, they find this like haunted attraction and it's like a little like a ride you go through this like haunted house and you ride around in the car and it's different serial killers and i think albert fish is either the first or the second one that they do a little exhibit on and the guy kind of tells a little just a brief breakdown of the story as they're riding by what albert fish did and like what i went through isn't even a fraction of all the shit he did like he was he was a frequent child molester he was a he was just he's, he's like one of the worst he's probably worst people. top 10 worst people to ever live it, on, it's on so planet. bad it's so bad. Yeah, it's terrible shit. Yeah, he had a. Yeah, I'm not even gonna get into it. Yeah, we, we can't. You <laughs> I read. Can't. I read too. I read too much of it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um. It's bad. Anyways, Albert Fish. I'm surprised that we we bringing him up. So I thought about doing maybe a serial killer if I didn't have enough material. But and he was one that like that was who I was thinking yeah. about. I didn't have time to get the research going, but I probably would have honestly. I would have started it and then stopped and said I'm not talking about it. I almost did. I almost didn't do him, but we'll see. I might have to edit that a little bit in the show. We'll just see how it comes. Together. I tried. I tried to keep it. I think you did. I think you did a very good job of presenting it. I did just, my best. Just how bad it is, though. You can't know, really man. convey that. It's crazy. So, is that all you got with Albert Fish? Yep, that's my last one. We're going to be taking a little bit different tone with this one. Now, this girl, she's fucked up, but in a different way, in my opinion. And she is still alive. She's only 37 years old. Have you ever heard of Elizabeth Holmes? Yes, I think. Okay, she, to me, she definitely fits the bill of crazy and borderline insane. And she doesn't get talked about nearly as much as I think she should. Elizabeth Holmes, at one point back in 2014, was a billionaire at age 30. She was a self-made Silicon Valley tech startup billionaire. I think there was a swindle episode about this chick. Yes, probably, because yeah, she... I've, I've heard of her. She swindled like you... I've never seen anybody <laughs> swindle. Elizabeth Holmes was born in Washington, D.C. in 1984. She was a child of a reasonably well-to-do family. Her parents worked in mostly government capacities, like her mom was like a congressional staffer, and her dad worked for different like regu- regulatory agencies, but he also was a vice president at Enron for a little bit. Now, he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't really involved in the scandal... But he was in the building for a while. He, sure. Now, Elizabeth Holmes was born. They 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 did the family did all right. You know, government work pays well. Enron was paying well back then, so they had some money. Sure. weren't like ultra rich, but enough to put her through college, basically. Sure. So, as a kid, she was bright and enthusiastic about a lot of different stuff, but she was also very ambitious. Like she would bounce from like she was really into computers and technology, and like try to start her own computer company as a teenager, shit like that. But she'd also get into like foreign languages and other different. Shit. She was very bright, not very focused, though. Okay. Got good grades, though, and her parents pretty much, if she was interested in something, they'd find a way to provide for it. They'd get her tutors. They'd help her out with her little projects or whatever. She goes to college at age 18. She goes to Stanford. She decides she's going to start studying chemical engineering. Now, Stanford being in Silicon Valley... Back in 2003, she got caught up in the culture of Silicon Valley, basically. The tech startup, start your own tech company, everything. So she spent a full year studying chemical engineering at Stanford. Landed an internship in Singapore, which is obviously Southeast Asia, opposite end of the world, where she was doing, basically conducting blood tests in a lab. And she was actually testing for the the old SARS coronavirus back then. But she was doing blood work, basically. Everything just boils down back to the Rona. 
Exactly. But um, so she was doing blood work tests at an internship in Singapore for the SARS coronavirus. Came back to the United States with an idea. Now, she didn't re-enroll in Stanford. She only spent one year, two semesters total at Stanford before she dropped out. At age 19, she had this idea for a new company that would test blood, but it, you only needed a pinprick. Like a, just a little drop of yeah, blood. Yeah, I remember this, 100%. And with her new company and her new technology, she was getting able to scan for like 200 different common yeah. diseases, all with a pinprick. And her blood test was going to be able to diagnose anything super early. And it was going to revolutionize everything we knew about laboratory it's, it's, medicine. It can change everything. So she started pitching the idea to different people back at Stanford University. Like she had like a medicine professor that she knew really well. And she's like, hey, I got this idea for those blood tests where it's going to be a little bit of a little pinprick. And we're going to find out everything we could possibly find out from just a little pinprick. And her medicine professor was like, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> the technology simply doesn't exist for anything remotely like this, even theoretically. Yeah. And medical professionals were having an issue with it. Now, at age 19, like I said, she ended up founding the company anyway. She took her college fund and instead of using it to go to college because her parents left her a trust. Yeah. She used it to fund a company that quickly became known as Theranos. T-H-E-R-A-N-O-S. All behind the idea of this blood test. That was what the company did. It was the only thing that the company did was this the super efficient, high speed, revolutionary blood test that was gonna it could detect cancer before any other testing methods could detect cancer in your body. It could detect diabetes. It could yeah. detect anything, everything you could want to know. You could get it just from this little drop of blood. Now, the thing with Elizabeth Holmes, she is a weird person if there ever was one. If you look at a picture of her, she's very striking. Like you, you can't forget her face. She's pale, a pale blonde. She's kind of tall. Yeah. With these huge, like... Big-ass eyeballs. Big-ass pale blue eyeballs. Yeah. And when she stares at you, it looks like she's staring into your soul, basically. (laughs) And she always wears a black turtleneck, kind of like Steve Jobs. Sure. She always (laughs) has the turtleneck on. No matter where she's going, she's got a turtleneck like this. She's got kind of an intimidating just appearance about her and she's got this very deep voice like it's she sounds like a man she's not a man like you can look at her and you can tell that she's not she didn't change genders or anything sure but she's got this very distinct deep voice combined with everything else's freaky eyes and the appearance and everything she's incredibly striking and she comes off as very intelligent very calm completely in control of what's going on and extremely convincing. So, given all of that, she managed to raise $6 million for her company in less Damn. than a year. It's a lot of money. All based on the idea of this blood test. Now, Theranos was always a privately held company. It was never public. Privately held companies, with her being in charge of it, and even at her lowest point, she still owned 50% of the company. She could pick and choose who invested money with her. Mm-hmm. She was very good at picking and choosing people that would go along with her and her story. Wouldn't ever ask, hey, let's see the technology. Let's yeah. do the blood test. Sure. Or if they would do that, they'd fall for the Fugazi. Yeah. Now, what makes this ridiculous is by 2010, she'd raised like $48 million or something absurd. 48? She spent from 2003 to 2009, she spent pretty much all that time just doing research, but not really researching. Sure. And finding funding. And she kept getting people to sign up and give her money. Unreal. In 2009, she had this guy come in named Sonny Balwani, who she met back when she was at Stanford. She was 18, he was 37, and he was an MBA student at Berkeley. We don't know when they ended up getting in a romantic relationship, but it could have started back then. The Sonny Balwani guy, who is a Pakistani-American, who was just some guy, basically, ended up becoming the president of Theranos. (laughs) They never disclosed the fact that Elizabeth Holmes and this guy were in a romantic relationship, but they were together pretty much throughout the entire run of the company. Damn. 
behind closed doors. This guy had nothing in his background to suggest that he should be in charge of a blood company. And Elizabeth Holmes didn't either because she didn't ever graduate from college. She went to, for school for one year. She's not a doctor. She's not a scientist. She's just somebody with an idea. By 2010, she hadn't been doing a whole lot of blood testing with the company. They haven't been doing blood testing. They've still been trying to get people on board financing, but they're doing really well. The company's shooting up in valuation. She's got millions of dollars coming in. All just, and that was just the idea. It was very plainly presented. The blood test is going to take a drop of blood, analyze all this stuff. It works because I'm telling you it it works is what she would do. (laughs) In 2011, her company ended up being evaluated at over a billion dollars. Unreal. And she made a big, a big move. She brought in former United States Secretary of State, George Schultz, who was a Secretary of State under Reagan. (laughs) She brought him in and sat him on the board of directors of the company. Unreal. So this company, based on an idea, now has a former United States Secretary of State on the board of directors. And he has absolutely no clue. And he's got no clue what's going on. He said that he sat there for two hours talking to her and was just completely compelled. was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing of all time. (laughs) <laughs> Never asking to see the technology, going solely off of his impressions of her. Because she is incredibly... That's a mastermind right there. She's inc- Exactly. She's incredibly convincing, and you, you kind of want to root for her, like you want her to succeed, but you buy into the vision at the same time. She was very good at cultivating that persona. Now, if you think it's ridiculous that George Schultz was on the board of directors, he was not the only Secretary of State to end up on the board of directors. Oh, jeez. Soon after, former Nixon Secretary of State, who we've talked about on the show before, Henry Kissinger. Are you shitting me? Bought in. He ended up on the board of directors. Future Secretary of Defense and back then four-star general James Mad Dog Mattis. Oh my god. Bought in. He was on the he was on the board of directors. He said that he talked to her, she pricked his finger, and cast a spell over him. Unreal. Is what he said. And he wasn't even the only Secretary of Defense on the board of directors. <laughs> Clinton's old Secretary of Defense, William Perry, also sat on the board of directors. What is with this chick in the military? She got a ton of military guys. And if you think that's ridiculous, Betsy DeVos invested oh, $100 million <laughs> into this company. $100 million. <laughs> Jesus. Rupert Murdoch also ended up investing heavily <sighs> in this company, all because they believed in Elizabeth Holmes. Now, there are pictures of her everywhere. Like, there's pictures of her with Obama. There's pictures of her with Bill Clinton. Obviously, a lot of Republicans as well. So she had Republicans, Democrats, high-powered people. She had a lot of people investing and serving on the board of directors of this company. So with high-powered people came high-powered contracts. Her biggest one was with Walgreens, who in 2013 signed a deal with Theranos to do in-store blood sample collection. So at this point, they were going to start actually testing the samples. Unreal. Now, the technology was called the Edison technology or Edison testing machine or something. It was this box and they had pictures of the box and they they do the video where they put the blood in. It didn't ever actually work, but they made it look like it worked. Walgreens signed this contract to start testing with Theranos. Now, the technology didn't work and Theranos wasn't actually doing any of the testing. They were using their own machines instead of (laughs) Theranos' machines, but it was was sold under the Theranos brand. Unreal. She's smart. (laughs) By 2014, Theranos was valued at $9 billion. Elizabeth Holmes, owning half of that company, obviously she's worth $4.5 billion. Unreal. Uh, she was on the cover of Fortune and Forbes and all those like business magazines. And she always had that like Steve Jobs turtleneck on. And she always yeah. had the, the creepy ass eyes. And in 2000, 
14 Forbes of their Forbes 400 of most or wealthiest, richest Americans. She placed 110th on that list. Like the youngest self-made female billionaire ever. She was on top of the world, basically. And Silicon Valley loved her. Unreal. The corporate mainstream media loved the shit out of her. They were like, this is a girl boss. She's a fucking feminist icon. Yeah. All this stuff. And they they were in love with her. Now, there were always questions about the technology. There were always questions because she was very vague about how it worked. She always told you really well how it that it did work. She never told you how it worked. But it didn't matter because she had all these generals on her board of directors. She had... Yeah, everyone vouched for her. She had all this money coming in. Nobody really cared to really actually ask questions. Unreal. At one point, she had an agreement in place with the Cleveland Clinic to have them oh, no. start sending blood samples to her for testing. And other like other companies like Blue Cross or one of the Blue Cross companies or something. No way the Cleveland Clinic didn't look into it. So, and that's what ended up happening was they had the agreement, but they were like, we want to send our own people out just to verify what's going on. And this is right when everything started to fall apart. In 2015, the FDA approved her testing methods. Are you shitting me? Despite the fact that when the FBA, uh, what's the word, investigators or inspectors came in, there were all sorts of problems. They were like, well, none of these, none of this is up to standards. You're not logging data properly. Makes me not, You're not handling trust anything FDA approved. Seriously. <laughs> You're not handling um, these samples properly. You're mixing samples. Like, if samplers are getting diluted when they actually try to test them. Your equipment doesn't work. Like, they ran a test on, they were testing blood for warfarin, which is that blood thinner drug. It failed 81 times out of 81 <laughs> tests. And... <sighs> somehow they determined that it was still approved because it wasn't like a risk or something, even though people were sending blood samples to Theranos, getting vastly incorrect data back because the test yeah. didn't work. And it's not like it didn't work. It was providing back incorrect information. Yeah. So it could test your blood and say, hey, you got cancer. And hey, you, you got diabetes. You, and you not have cancer. You got diabetes. And the one guy was a doctor, a 35-year-old, super in shape, a physician himself sent a sample in, came back that he was pre-diabetic. He started freaking out. He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And he was talking to his own doctor. He was like, you know, I'm a physician myself. I had this test done. I have a very hard time believing I'm pre-diabetic. The doctor had, he's like, this doesn't sound right. He had a separate test done. And he was like, you got nothing in your actual blood tests suggesting anything of the sort. This guy was bone skinny yeah. in perfect health. So then it started to be like people are making medical decisions for their own care based on these made up tests. It's, <laughs> it's one thing unreal. just to, it's one thing just to defraud people from money. Yeah. But people are like putting their health at risk. People are actually making decisions from the data returned from the test. So <laughs> it's ridiculous. And but the FDA still gave it their stamp of approval back in uh, 2015. Now, questions were coming up, but they were coming up quietly because Elizabeth Holmes is also a bully, and she was very good at ensuring that her own employees wouldn't speak up. First of all, she never had anybody working on very much at the lab, so nobody really had a, a full view of the picture of what was going on. Everybody had their set little tasks, so nobody really knew too much. Number two, when people did know too much, she would always threaten to sue them. She would threaten to sue the shit out of them if they even talked about possibly speaking up about the illegitimacy of what was going on behind closed doors. So questions were coming up, but they weren't really coming up. But it was enough where the federal government was like, well, we're going to talk, we're going to have this this health innovation summit or something, and we're at least going to try to visit the lab, just see what's going on, because we've got all these famous people involved in it. She's rich. She's on the cover of everything. This could be life-changing technology. Let's try to get in the lab. Sure. Now, this was, it was supposed to just be a publicity thing, but I think it was to try to actually get in the lab to see what the hell was going on. So they sent their best and brightest in to visit the lab. Then United States Vice President Joe Biden. So he goes into the lab and he's talking with Elizabeth Holmes for a while and it didn't take long for him to come out. He gave her his full stamp of approval. Was like, this woman's <laughs> incredible. She's the greatest thing of all time. He was in love. He was starstruck by her. Of course. Thought everything was the greatest thing of all time. And that was about the last endorsement that she got because 
in later in 2015, and this had been going on in the background for a while, Wall Street Journal investigative reporter John Carreyrou got a tip from a medical professional basically saying, hey, you know, this Theranos Edison test, there's something wrong with it. It's not working properly. I, I, I've got information basically saying that it's giving back incorrect results. This company that's worth $9 billion, there's problems going yeah, on there. Yeah. <laughs> so he lost a, he launched a very quiet investigation that went on for a very long time. This reporter did. Just gathering information, trying to get people that have had the test done, uh, trying to get people that worked at the lab. Eventually he got a enough information where he well, launched tedious work he yeah he got enough information where he was getting ready to launch an article now elizabeth holmes found out about the whole thing blew a gasket at him threatening to the, sue his ass threatening to sue the paper claiming defamation claiming all this bullshit he published the article anyways and it was like good holy for, good for him and it was a bombshell it was like holy fuck this is crazy so that night after the article got published making it look like the company was a complete fugazi which it was elizabeth holmes wasn't obviously going to back down because that's not what she was going to do so she was on jim Cramer's show mad money on cnbc i don't know if you've seen that guy her quote on that show was this is what happens when you work to change things first they think you're crazy then they fight you and all of a sudden you change the world so she was 100 percent into this whole this whole thing yeah 100 percent. and then after a few months more investigations started to come out they were able to get actual regulators into the lab and they were like it was it was bad what they were finding. I'm sure. Like I, it, 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 this isn't what was going on, but it's like they had like a blood bucket, and they would just like dump all the blood in the bucket, pull out some blood. There's your <laughs> results. Like it's bad. And that's that's not exactly what was going on. That's rough. But they were they were mixing up samples. They were diluting samples. None of the data made any sense. The data wasn't being recorded properly, and the technology just did not work. Despite the fact that she told everybody it worked, it did not work. So then she started to get in trouble legally. Eventually, she was forced out of the company. And by 2018, this nine billion dollar company closed up shop for good doesn't exist anymore unreal so then the question is well she was defrauding investors and then she was fucking with people's medical records what kind of charges are we going to be bringing up so she was getting pressed with charges pretty quickly and her trial is currently underway now in the middle of all this bear in mind we had the pandemic going on so it slowed up her trial a little bit she had a kid in july of 2021 when her trial was supposed to start no shit so now she's playing the oh i'm a poor oppressed mother yeah angle (laughs) just to try to get sympathy but she's looking at probably 20 years in jail. Yeah. Wire fraud, um, different conspiracy charges, different financial fraud charges. All these people bought into her just based on her charisma without ever actually looking at the technology. And she was organized enough to make sure that questions didn't get answered. And this company existed for 15 years. She could have been on our clever criminal. I was thinking about doing her for that episode. There were a couple of different episodes I wanted to get her in on. But Elizabeth Holmes, if she's not one of the craziest people I've ever heard of. Yeah, she is. And then uh, there's also stories that her, her really deep voice was actually a made-up thing she didn't actually have a deep voice she just, had that, me. she just had that going on just for the camera just to stand out yeah so elizabeth holmes crazy fake it till you make it and apparently put people's healths in jeopardy at the same time like how like how could you feel okay about doing that i don't know that's the other thing i can't figure out i, I don't know if she ever thought it was I think she thought it was going to work eventually. She figured, I'm smart. No one's ever told me I'm not smart before. My idea is going to work. You just have to give me time. And was faking it until she made it. I think it was what was going on. It, it's, just, it's like, it's, I, I guess if she really believed it would work, it wouldn't matter. But it's like, how do you not think you're not going to get caught? But <laughs> she also had, look at who she had backing her. The media loved her. The corporate media back in the rise of feminism, this was the queen. This was a Silicon Valley queen, the girl boss. Yeah. Going into Silicon Valley, a male-dominated place, and being the greatest woman ever. And that's what she was. She was the queen of Silicon Valley, basically. Crazy. The media loved her. She was a darling. Nobody's challenged her. Nobody wanted to because either she'd bully them into agreeing with her. Sexists. 
or they just didn't want her to fail. And then when when it did all crumble, like these like TV hosts were just like devastated. You could tell they were crushed. They were like, <laughs> she's now facing potential charges. It's so shocking. <laughs> it's just like Joe Biden's probably like, oh well, yeah, I, I thought you know she seemed cool to me. Come yeah, on. well, come on, man. I <laughs> like how, how he was the guy that went to go investigate the yeah. laboratory. And, of course, he came out all smiles. You're right. So that's Elizabeth Holmes. He probably looked around and was like, look at all this cool stuff. Yeah, that's look one of the craziest stuff. one. There's a lot more I could have gotten into with that one. Yeah, that was a good but, one. Yeah, I've heard of her. She was definitely on a swindled episode. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. And I can't figure out, well, I can because it makes a lot of people look bad. But this should have been on the on the scale of Enron. Why wasn't this talked about more? Why isn't this just an everyday thing that everybody knows about? This is It's not like it happened in Sweden. Right. It happened right here in the United States, and it's recent. It's very recent. She didn't, yeah, it just happened. The article got ago. published in 2015. The trial's going on right now. Right. And people aren't talking about this one. So Crazy. I think it just shows how ridiculous we are, how easily we buy into ideas without actually thinking about it. How, how easily the media sway our attention. Exactly. Anyways, I think that about wraps up that discussion. It's going to be a very long episode. <laughs> so I got to keep most of this. I can't get rid of a lot of this. So Yeah, that's true. This is going to be a long episode. I think it's going to be a good one. We had a lot of... Definitely. There's a lot of good shit going on. A lot of good one. information with this one. All four of our people were really interesting, <laughs> I thought. I thought this was going to be my worst episode. It turned out okay. Yeah, you did really well. I'm happy my story came together about as well as I was hoping well, for. Yeah, you're, so. both of yours are really good. News stories are all good. This is a good I, one. This is a fun episode. This one. Uh, listeners have been good. You know, we've had a couple of strong episodes. Aliens Part 7 is our most popular episode. No shit. Since Cults, back episode number 21 or something. <laughs> that was back in, like, April. So how many how many streams do we have for Part 7? 54. Wow. Which is awesome. a lot. That's, that's awesome. a lot. That's a lot more than any of these other episodes. It blew your, your spooktacular out of the water. Oh, my spooktacular is the worst episode <laughs> It's the worst episode out of everything. It's beaten a lot of our earlier episodes. It beat Secret Societies, which I thought was a good one. It Spook- just... My Spooktacular did? No. Oh, I was about to say. Uh, the Aliens beat Secret oh, okay. Societies. It beat uh, Historical Sports, which I thought was a really good one. Nice. It beat Cryptozoology, which I thought was a good episode. Yeah, that was a good so, one. Yeah. Anyways, Aliens Part 7. We thought that was a terrible episode. We walked out of the studio like, we, we can't even put that out there. But we did, <laughs> and it ended up working. Awesome. And we're, we're up over 2,500 listens overall. Fantastic. We're getting like 30 people every week signing in and listening to the show. So That's awesome. Thank you guys, everyone, for doing that. And keep listening. Yes, keep listening. Please check us out on Facebook. Please tweet us at 30 in the... Tell your friends. Tell your families. Tell everybody. Share it on Facebook. Yes, please share it. Share it on your social media. 100%. Share the link from whatever podcasting platform you like to listen to the show on. We don't care what platform you guys listen on. We just want you to listen and talk to talk about it. So Definitely. Thank you very much, guys. We're going to be out here with some more content hopefully next week. So thank you very much, guys, for listening. Peace. Yeah, sure. That is what this guy is. It's Peter Dazak. You know guy. I didn't watch TV when I was a kid. I know you didn't. I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to come up with something. But, like, like one of those animal guys. Like, sure. <laughs> fuck was that? <laughs> dude, this house is haunted as shit, dude. I'm telling you. For those of you not in the studio, our, our studio door just opened. And, like, push itself it, in. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Anyways, I'm sorry. Cut. So this Peter Dazak, he's a zoologist, is essentially what he is. Saw uh, little Timmy today. How's uh How's old Timalim doing? He's got a big announcement. Uh oh, you're not gonna believe this one. Did he get a girl pregnant? Even better. 
he adopted a lizard. Oh my god! A little gecko. It's a leopard gecko. <sighs> I haven't been okay. to see it yet, but I'll show. I'll pull up a picture real quick. What did he name it? I gotta pull up the name because he's, it's got a very complicated name. Because of course, this is Tim we're talking about. There's the picture. We don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet. We're not going to know for a few weeks. Hmm. You can't really tell, like, on a juvenile. That's pretty so, cool looking, though. It is pretty cool. It's, like, probably about that big. Nice. It's going to get to about that big. There you go, Tim. About 10 inches. Its name is Mr. Jim Mojo Rising Morrison, the Lizard King. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I knew something unique was... I, I knew the name was going to be something unique. Sure. Because that's just how Tim is. Exactly. Tim is. Exactly. 